0: We conclude this series on marriage and family with a short exhortation on relating to adult children as friends and on enjoying the rest of the journey as husband and wife. This complete series in PDF, MP3 and video is available at apcwo.org slash marriage and family. All
1: right. Why don't we stand up to our feet and make our declaration this morning? So if you brought your Bible... I request you to hold it in your hand and lift it high up in the air. Let's say this out loud, bold, and strong together. This is God's word. word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, saved, healed, healed, delivered, redeemed. redeemed. I'm blessed. Victorious, prosperous, triumphant, I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His Word, I believe His Word, and I live by His Word. Christ is my Master, and to Him I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen say hi to the person next to you, give them your name if you haven't met them before, and then you may be seated. All right, we finally reached that point in our flight where we have to land the plane. This is part 10 of this series on marriage and family, and this is the last message in this series. We're going to Land it, and landing takes 15 minutes, but we might just take 20 minutes this morning. Uh, It's going to be a very short sermon, uh, and not too long. Uh, So we've been talking about marriage and family for the last nine Sundays today. uh, is our last Sunday. Next Sunday, when we all get together, uh, you'll have this entire series in print. The manual will be out. Uh, In the manual, there's there's a lot of um, uh, tools that you can do, uh, exercises and other things that you can use. Uh, which of course we were not able to do on a Sunday morning. Uh, we just try to give a condensed version of what each chapter contains. Uh, today we kind of bring things to a conclusion. we're going to just simply talk about when children become your friends and enjoying the rest of the journey. Uh, the message of course is targeted those who are parents, who are children are transitioning out of the home and, and and that stage of life and that's kind of what we uh, the kind of, uh, the audience that we're addressing. And of course, there are many of us here uh, who are not in that stage of life. Uh, you're single, you're young, yet to be married, so on. But what I wanted us to do is, as we just look at some of these thoughts here, which are uh, geared towards um, addressing when children become your friends and enjoying the rest of the journey, the, the spiritual truth that is presented, I want you to take it and apply it to your life. Anyone can do that, at, regardless of what your age is, regardless of what stage of life you are in. You can take that and apply it to your life. Is that okay? All right, so don't tune off just because, okay, he's talking about you know, when children become your friends. I don't even, not even married, you know what you're marriage, So don't tune off. Uh, the truths that we present, I want you to embrace that and see how you can apply that uh, in your life. Uh, regardless of what stage you are in. So, uh, when children become your friends, so you'll be talking about that stage of life and in, in your journey in marriage and family, when children, you know, become adults, they transition, uh, uh, and, and they begin to, at some point, uh, move out, and and, and some, some thoughts on those th- along those lines that I want to just present to us. You know, learning to relate to children as adults, and we read about this in Genesis 26, 18 to 23, and also 30 to 33, where... After Abraham dies, he's passed away now, and uh, Isaac is now the head of the clan, he's the head of the tribe, and he's probably got several hundred, maybe thousands of people part of the tribe. He's the head, his dad's passed away. And what does Isaac begin to do as as he he embarks on his journey as a leader of the clan, uh, uh, what does he do? It's very interesting to, to just observe and learn some lessons. In Genesis 26, I'm reading from verse 18. It says, Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Isaac because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to Bathsheba. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well, which they had dug, and said to him, We have found water. So he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. Some interesting things that we can observe. First, you know, when Isaac begins his journey, he goes and re the wells of his father Abraham. He unstops those wells. Speaking to us about the importance of, yes, children of the next generation need to drink from the wells that were given to the fathers. So yes, children... And you're talking about it spiritually, you're talking about it naturally. Children can can drink from the wells that God has given to us as parents or in a church context. The next generation should definitely drink from the wells that were given to the preceding generation. Whatever God had given in terms of revelation and understanding. When a new generation arises, they need to drink from those wells. And what's interesting is Isaac called those wells by that name. But the names given to those wells by his father, Abraham. That's very important because he maintained the identity of those waters, of those wells. That means he didn't, you know, try to rebrand it and call it something else and try to make it look different. No, that's what God gave to our predecessors. That's what God gave to those who've gone ahead of us. Those are the wells that we must drink of. Drink of it, call it by its name, maintain its identity. Don't lose that. Those are our origins. Those are our beginnings. We need to maintain the ancient landmarks. Are you with me so far? But what's also interesting is that Isaac then moved on. When I say Isaac, it means his old, all his tribe and people and servants. They, they begin to dig new wells. And when they started digging new wells, initially they faced challenges, they faced problems. The inhabitants, the people in Gerar, came and opposed them, they quarreled with them. So that's why he called the first well Sitna, meaning quarrel. And then they went to another place and dug wells. And again, they faced opposition. He called those wells I- Isek, meaning contention. So there was difficulty when they began their journey and started to dig their new wells. But then they pressed on and they came into this land of, uh, They came to another place where it was very spacious. They dug wells. They found water. There was no difficulty. So they called it Rehoboth, meaning now God's given us plenty of room. We're able to uh, experience fruitfulness. Rehoboth meaning spaciousness and fruitfulness. And they went on and they came to a place called Sheba. Sheba means seven times. And this time they dug their own well and they experienced abundance. I know I'm kind of creating and allegorizing this story, but the point is that we need to let our children or the generation that comes after us to not only drink from wells that that have been dug by preceding generations, but they need to learn to dig their own wells and give them their own names. And we need to learn to trust God that they will be able to press past opposition, come into their own fruitfulness, come into their own spaciousness, and move from there into their own abundance, which God would lead them through or into. Amen? Now, many of us do the wrong thing. We make make sure we chain our children to the wells we have dug. (laughs) We say, you only drink from here, don't drink from anywhere else. Sometimes we do it in the church. One generation locks the next generation to the wells they have dug. But that's not God's intent. Every generation needs to find their own wells. Needs to dig their own wells. Discover their own, uh, uh, you know, what God wants to release in them, for them, through them. and, And make their own journey with God. Of course, we need to stay true to the wells that were dug by our fathers. And continue to drink from those. But we need to make our own journey with God. Amen? So, as parents, encourage your children. I mean, whether you can apply this to the natural, you can apply it to the spiritual. Encourage your children to make their own journey with God, to dig their own wells. Amen? Another interesting thing with Isaac is this that he had his own encounter with God and he built his own altar. And in the same passage in Genesis 26 verses 24 and 25 and the Lord appeared to him that is Isaac the same night and said I am the God of your father Abraham do not fear for I am with you I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake so he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there and there Isaac's servants dug a bell so Here's another very important thing that Isaac came in his journey. He came to a place where he had his own encounter with God. He received his own promises from God and he built his own altar before the Lord. Thank God for Abraham's altar, but Isaac didn't have to worship God at Abraham's altar. He came to a place where he built his own altar with God. He had his own encounter with God and he received his own promises from God. So when we raise up children, remember, we need to release them so that they can find their own encounter. They can have their own encounter with the Lord. Receive promises that He has for their lives and and, and have their own altar to worship God. Amen? Are you with me? Is this making sense? Yes or no? And the same thing in the church. You know, as we hand things over to a new generation or the generations that arise. Look, thank God for the altars we've built. Thank God for the encounters we've had and the promises we've received. But they can't live on old manner. They can't live on presence that was some years ago. They've got to have their own altar with God. They've got to find their own encounters with God. They've got to receive their own promises with God. What we can do is to pray for that to happen in their lives. And God is faithful. He'll do it. Isaac had that. And uh, just one additional thought here is uh, we must learn to impart faith and wisdom to our children's children. Uh, Isaiah 59, 21, as for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words, which I put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, not from the mouth of your descendants, not from the mouth of your descendants. So God wants that impartation. He wants the passing on of revelation, the word, and the anointing, the spirit, to the succeeding generation, even to the generation that comes after them. Each generation must build where the previous generation finishes. Amen? The sealing of one generation should become the starting point of the next generation. Imagine where the church would be if we all started off, you know, uh, 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 where previous generations left. I mean, if you study church history and look at the amazing moves of God and the the waves of of God's spirit moving through the church. and, And then you realize somehow some man, some woman reached a high point, came down. And then again, we started at that same low point. But I don't think that's God's intent. His intent is the high point of one generation should be the starting point of the next. The reason we fail is because we fail to raise up sons and daughters who can actually carry what we have. Incident, most churches you have servants, you don't have sons and daughters. What's the difference between servants? Servants get a reward, but the inheritance goes to sons and daughters. Servants may do the work. Sons and daughters also do the work. But there's a difference. Servants get a reward. The inheritance goes to sons and daughters. So most churches, most ministries, they they have many servants. But they fail to raise up sons and daughters. And so what happens? The anointing, the revelation given to one generation just dissipates. And then when somebody rises up, they've got to start all over again. But I believe things are going to change. If we are good stewards of what God gives to us. We will make sure that the generation that comes after us starts with that. Are you with me? Is this is getting heavy. You understanding this? That's, what, that's where we should go. Say, God, I want the next generation, the generation that comes after them, to start at a much better place in the knowledge of God, in the experience of His Spirit. That's why even in children's church, we teach them the same things adults learn. Try to just make it a little simpler, give them some drawings, things like that. But we try to teach them who we are in Christ. They're not too young to learn that. We try to teach them about their authority in God. They're not too young to learn that. We try to teach them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We pray for them so that they can be filled with Spirit and pray in tongues. They're not too young to experience that. Maybe, In fact, they do much better than adults, you know. Because <laughs> we adults have too many questions. We don't have that child-likeness. And so we have to learn to become childlike before we experience the kingdom of God. They're already there. They just have to step in. So it's so much more easier for them to, to, you know, to begin to pray in tongues and, and all of that. It's so much more easy. They don't have all these theological questions, you know. It's in the Bible. Let's do it. But we want them to start at a much better place. Amen? So we work towards that. Now, the last chapter. So we're getting ready to close here really quickly. So now enjoying the rest of the journey so the time comes when you know in part of your journey in marriage and family children grow up, they leave home and you're back again to your honeymoon years amen <laughs> it's like hey it's just two of us you know and uh, you can enjoy the rest of the journey all the hard work's over now and is just two so of you what are some, just some thoughts here? Of course, there can be challenges even in those, that phase of life, that season of life. One is it, there could be regrets about, I wish I had done this better, I wish I had done that better, I wish I had served God more when I had strength, I wish I had done this, Wish there could be those kinds of thoughts. There could be also challenges that, that they did come to um, to us in that stage of life, which uh, you know, we've probably never experienced before. And so, just a word of encouragement here from Psalm 84, verses 5 and 7. Learning, we must learn to let go of regrets and learn to uh, uh, face our challenges knowing this powerful truth. In Psalm 84, verses 5 through 7, it says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, which literally means the valley of weeping, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Very interesting verses. It says, blessed is the man whose strength is in the Lord, whose heart is set on pilgrimage, meaning his heart is set on, On a journey that's taking him somewhere into the presence of God or the habitation of God. That's what pilgrimage is. You're going, so when somebody sets on a pilgrimage, they're going to, let's say, a a place where they're going to encounter God. I'm on a pilgrimage. I'm going somewhere. Everything now is very transient. I'm just passing through. So blessed is a man whose strength is in God. He sees himself as a pilgrim. He is passing through life and his eyes are, his heart is set on something great and grand where he's going to encounter God. Now, on that journey, on that pilgrimage, it's possible that he's gonna walk to the valley of Baqa, meaning he's gonna walk to the valley of weeping. Now, what happens when he goes to this when this kind of a man goes to the valley of weeping? He calls the counselor. <laughs> no. The Bible says here, yeah, when this kind of a man goes through the valley of weeping, whatever you know that might actually mean in real life, whatever that might cause that weeping, when he goes through the valley, what does he do? He makes it a spring. And the rain comes, covers it with pools. I want you to believe that. Do you believe that? That you as a man or woman whose strength is in God, whose heart is set on the Lord. That when you go through those valleys of weeping, that you can actually make those valleys pools. That you can actually experience the reign of God in those seasons. It's because your strength is in God. And what does it say? Whoa, when he goes to the valley of weeping, he comes out totally drained and weak and... No. The next verse says, they go from strength to the valley of weeping is only going to result in you coming out with greater strength. That's part of your journey. You're going from strength to strength. And even if you go through the valley of Baca, when you come out on the other side, you're only in a position of greater strength. Amen? Greater strength. Now that's the promise for all of us, regardless of our age or stage in life as long as our strength is in god and our heart is set on pilgrimage lord i'm on a pilgrimage i'm a pilgrim i'm passing through this world my heart is set on eternity my heart is set on you on your purposes and your kingdom purposes and i'm here on a journey of course i've got things to do i've got an assignment to fulfill and all of that but if my journey is going to take me through valleys of baka i know that god that valley is not going to drain me. That valley, I'm going to turn it into a pool of springs. I'm going to experience your rain in the valley. That's your promise. And I will come out stronger than I entered in. And I go, I will go from strength to strength. Amen. And of course, you can take that and apply it. Even in the context of your marriage and family. as transition and things happen. Another important thing is... To enjoy memories, but don't live in the past. And of course, I'm, I, I, we've presented it in the context of marriage and family, but anyone can apply this. Psalm 77 verse 11, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. Psalm 105 verse 5, Remember His marvelous works which He has done, His wonders and the judgments of His mouth. Psalm 143 verse 5, I remember the days of old, I meditate on all your works, I muse on the works of your hands. So the Bible teaches us to do that. Just look back, just look at the good things God has done in your life. So enjoy those memories. Those memories of God working in your life in the past is going to rejuvenate you, it's going to uh, you know, revive you, it's going to encourage your heart. Just look back and say, wow, God was with me in that situation. He brought me through that. He, 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 his provision came through. He, his protection was there. You enjoy those memories. And I do that from time to time. And I'm talking to God. I say, God, this, thank you for all these years. Thank you for all these years. And, and for what you've seen, for what you experienced, for all those different things that you've, you've helped me journey through. God, thank you. So enjoy those memories. Muse on the works of his hands. Thank him for it. But you and I know we cannot live in the? We've got to live in the now, prepare for the future. So even in that stage of life, thank God for the wonderful memories of the past, but make your life count in the now. What can you do for the kingdom of God now? What do you think God's getting you ready for? How can you impact in the, in the days to come? Think that way. Prepare yourself that way. Make your life count in the now. Enjoy the past, but don't, don't waste the now or the future. Just a couple of things before we close here. Stay healthy, stay strong. Keep stimulated. Maintain vitality. I know I'm talking to older people, but that applies to some of us who are young also. (laughs) Psalm 92, verses 12 to 14. It says, The righteous will flourish like the palm trees. They will grow like the cedar of Lebanon. They are like trees planted in the house of the Lord that flourish in the temple of our God that still bear fruit in old age and are always green and See, even in old age, be fruitful. That's God's word. That's God's promise. Take a hold of it. And be green and strong. You're planted in the house of the Lord. This is your blessing. Another thing we can do at that stage of life is to testify to generations to come. Psalm 71, 17 and 18, the psalmist says, you've taught me ever since I was young and I, I will st- I will st- and I still tell of your wonderful acts. Now that I'm old and my hair is gray, do not abandon me. Oh God, be with me while I proclaim your power and might to all generations to come. On. So he says, yes, God, you, I mean, you were with me right from the time I was young. Now, you know, I'm in the later stage of life, but God, you are with me. I want your help to proclaim who you are to generations to come. So let's do that. Talk to others. Talk to gener- you know, people. Declare his wonderful works to generations to come. And finally, of course, we run this race to the finish. We set our eyes, as 2 Corinthians 4 says, we, we do not lose hearts. For our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for a farm is working for us a farmer exceeding an eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So we continue to run the race with our eyes fixed on what's eternal. Our heart is set on pilgrimage. We look at that eternal weight of glory. The things that we go through, the challenges that we go through, Paul calls it light affliction. It's just temporary compared to what's up ahead. And as Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, we must fight a good fight, we must finish the race, we must keep the faith. Amen? Amen? There are things that you and I can take back in our lives, even from from what we've heard this morning. As a young person, would you pray and say, God, you know, I want to drink from the wells my fathers have dug, but help me to take my own wells in life. Whether it's the natural or the spiritual. I may face challenges, but I want to press past that, come into the land of fruitfulness and spaciousness and go into the land of abundance where I can drink of what God has. As a young person, you pray, say, God, I want to have my own altar. I want to have my own encounter. I want to have my own promise with you. Thank God for what my parents had, but I need my own before God. And there are times when God may stir up our nests like an eagle. Maybe he's doing that in some of our lives. And it's not because he hates us, not because he wants to, he's a troublemaker. He's not a troublemaker. He's doing that in order to position us For us to discover potential that's in us, which He knows is in us. But we need that little push. We need that little encouragement. And only then we will discover what He's actually put in our lives. So let's stand up to our feet, please, as we just take some time to pray, and then we will close. i just call our worship team up. For some of us, maybe, you're going through that valley of Baca, but I want you to take a hold of the promise of God. That because your strength is in the Lord and because your heart is set on pilgrimage, you have the potential, you have the promise of God on your life that you will turn your valley of weeping into pools, or into a pleasant place. But God has promised to reign upon your life and you will go from strength to strength. the valley of weeping is not intended to drain you it's only intended to cause you to come out stronger do you believe God saying God you'll make this valley of weeping a place a pleasant place where because of your blessing could you take a few moments right now just to pray about even one thing God has spoken to your heart this morning from his word even one thing, just pray about it. For those of us who are parents who are in that stage of life that this message was intended for, and I want you to just also pray and say God. I want to take these things that I've heard and live it and walk in it. You are my God. To pray for our homes or families. Marriages here. So if you're married, if you're standing next to your spouse, just hold hands, pray together for your family, your marriage, your home. If you are here just by yourself, just pray for your spouse, wherever he or she may be. For a young person, pray for your parents. Pray for your households. Maybe they're in some other town, some other city. But just pray for them as a young person. Father, this morning we, we invite, O oh Lord, your kingdom of righteousness and peace and joy to touch marriages, touch our homes, or families, O oh Lord. And bring healing, bring restoration, God. Bring understanding, Father, into our hearts to know how to do this properly, how to do this correctly, God. Marriage and family and home, and, and just journeying with you together. We pray your grace, we pray your blessing. upon our homes, upon our marriages, Father God. We just pray for a move of your Holy Spirit through our homes, through our marriages, through our families. Holy Spirit, breathe upon our children. Breathe upon the generation after us. Breathe upon them powerfully, Lord. Father, we pray that truly, God, you'll do a work that will help us, God, represent you and represent your word accurately, God. That our homes, our marriages, our families will truly represent what you designed, what you originally intended way husbands' wives relate, the way we relate to our children, the way we nurture our children, the way we raise them up, the way we release them into their destinies, well Lord we truly be pleasing to you will be accurate to your original design and will be, oh Lord, a message to the world But this is what God intended we ask for your grace we ask for the work of your spirit, oh God to help us do this Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Before we close this morning, we just want to give an opportunity for anybody here who's never, who has not yet received Jesus into your heart, into your life. Maybe you just happen to be visiting or maybe you've been coming here for a while. The message of the Bible is very simple, we are all sinners, we've all done wrong things before God, and sin has its consequences, we are separated from God, our sins are taking us to an eternal place called hell, forever to be separated. Our sin robs us of God's purpose and meaning in life. That was not god's original design he wanted to have relationship he wants to have fellowship with us and so the bible says that god stepped into our world jesus christ came god became man he died for us on the cross he took upon him our sins and the punishment our sins deserved he was buried he rose up again the third day he showed himself alive to more than 500 witnesses and after 40 days he ascended it to heaven he told his disciples to go preach and give everyone this promise that if you believe in him you will have your sins forgiven he'll make you a new person he'll bring you into God's family and you can live for his purposes he's coming back again the Bible says this morning if you feel a tug in your heart that I want to receive Jesus into my life I want to have my sins forgiven and I want to lead you in a simple prayer or maybe you did walk with God but for some reason you wandered away and wasted your life but this morning you feel that I want to give my life back to Jesus I want to live right I want to live for him then you can pray with me too could we just bow our heads please for a moment if you feel in your heart you want to do this then pray this with me please lord jesus come into my heart forgive my sins make me a new person make me a child of god and from this day on help me to live for you for your purposes alone I give my life to you, Jesus. I do this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's close. Father, we thank you for this morning. And God, I just pronounce your blessing on your people. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the sweet fellowship of of His Holy Spirit, be with each of us always in Jesus name amen. amen God bless you, thank you so much for being here this morning God bless you, have a great Sunday, a great afternoon see you again, thank you we trust that this message was a blessing to you we'd love to hear from you you can email us at contact at apcwo.org Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.